You are listening to Tales from the Trenches by Nicola Graham, a podcast focusing on all things business change related. Time to hand over to you, Nick. So it gives me the pleasure to speak with you, Amy, today. You are the Chief of Staff for Human Resources at Citrix. And for those listeners who may not be familiar, Citrix are a technology company and they focus on creating digital solutions that help companies deliver great employee experience. I am particularly elated to speak with you, Amy, today. Uh, You are an expert in transformation management, user experience and counselling psychology. And today we are going to be chatting about mindfulness, women in the workforce and personal resilience. So Amy, hello and welcome to our podcast. Hi Nicola, I'm doing well today. Um, it's a beautiful day. I, I live in Fort Lauderdale, so it's um, still morning here, but there's a lot of optimism about what the day holds, especially starting this conversation today with you. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. I have to confess, I, I'm, I'm very blushed actually by meeting you. Um, you've got quite the following over social media platforms. So I've been been watching you over the over the past months on Twitter, LinkedIn, and your blog posts. So I'm really keen to understand, Amy, tell me more what's inspired you to really start writing the way you have. Uh, such a fun question. Um, I'll try to I'll I'll try to come up with a concise answer because I feel like this is something that I could talk about all day. But uh, really, you know, really early in my career, I used to joke that I would much prefer to write my thoughts than to speak them. Um, and at times when people have asked my opinion, I have taken the liberty to say, you know what, let me write it down for you and I'll send it to you. Um, so gradually what I began to realize is I find my truest voice when I am writing um, and that the more public writing was actually a big step forward. So I think my very first public written piece was on LinkedIn in 2015 which I named Why So Serious, Um, and it really just highlighted humor and my lack of it uh, as a leader. Um, Doesn't sound true. (laughs) Such a critical leadership skill, and I was just finding, um, and especially the insight came through um, a Mother's Day gift my son had given me that asked the question, um, what does your mom do that makes you laugh? And there was kind of this this blank there. You could tell that he had really struggled and it just led to this um, interesting introspection about the role of humor in our lives. And so for whatever reason, I decided that that would be my first LinkedIn post. Um, And I I very much remember the panic, the thrill, the excitement, the vulnerability of hitting publish for the first time. Um, And it's been such an amazing experience since then because I have seen how writing has truly helped me find my voice. And I think as um, people in the change management field, we are empathetic. And at times that is our greatest gift is that we can see a situation from everyone's point of view, which sometimes means it's harder to discover our own. Um, so for, for me, that's been the journey of writing really over the last five years is helping me to, to discover what my point of view is, not losing the empathy for mm-hmm. others, but realizing that it, my contribution as a change leader is not only about the collective and harnessing the connections that we're 
we're making, uh, whether it's a project or an idea or bringing about change in the organization or the world, but really about our contribution to that too. We can, we can also have a voice. Um, it's been a giant experiment and that's why I think I publish things on so many different platforms because who I am on those platforms sort of elicits a different conversational style, writing style, topics that I want to speak to. Um, my personal blog is very different than my my LinkedIn posts. And it's it's almost like something in my brain triggers as soon as I see that interface of, is it professional? Is it sort of this introspective journey? Is it um, something entirely different? So it's been, really been a fun exploration. And giving myself um, permission to fail, I think has been part of this too. Um, it doesn't have to be perfect. And I think that's what held me back so many years before I, I wrote is um, yeah. waiting for perfect and realizing that it, it doesn't come. Um, it's it's just one big giant experiment. Now you have a fantastic energy about you. How do you, do, do you find that different social media platforms give you a, a different angle to express that, that kind of energy? Because obviously when you're writing, I, I find whenever I do anything that's, that's, um, that's written, I I can find it really hard to express my energies, you know. Um, how 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 do you do it? What you know? What would be a top tip for me to do that? Because you've clearly got it. <laughs> this is not um, a tip that I came up with. Um, I don't know its genesis. I think I first heard it on a Tim Ferriss podcast, but it's right for one person. Um, that sometimes it's daunting on these platforms to think about the the breadth of the audience. But if there's one person you're writing for and what you have to say is gonna make a difference for that one person, lean into that and suddenly sort of this judgment, the pressure drops. And I found for me, that's really how I can bring my truest self and my truest voice forward. Um, on my own personal blog, interestingly, it began as a way to communicate with my parents. So we don't live in the same city. I've never been very good at making phone calls, um, especially with a, a child and a family and a career and a marriage. Yeah. It became even harder to make phone calls um, and we have a time zone difference as well. So um, it became a way to share like what was going on in my life. And for at least six months, I didn't tell anyone about it other than them. And then very gradually, I sort of started to to share with others and, and to be more public about it. But it, it helped me lose any um, any pressure around it. It was a it was a kind of this private space, and it it helped me to be free. Wow, yeah, no, that's um, it's interesting actually because I'm exactly the same. If I can afford a telephone call, I will. But um, and I think I think I use. I use social media platforms for exactly that as well, just sharing that kind of what's going on in my life with the people, you know, that that, that really want to see that. Um, and I, I must admit, I think I would be, I think I would, I would feel quite nervous to start with if I started, you know, really kind of put in thoughts to thoughts to paper like that. Um, how did you find, so you obviously said you kept it secret for six months. What gave you that inspiration or that courage to finally kind of go, actually, I'm really proud of this now and I'm going to share it to the world? Oh, um, such a good question. You know, I think honestly, my readership, my my fan club, you know, how can you go wrong with your mom and dad um, being the first <laughs> members of the, the audience? But <laughs> as I was writing more about leadership and some of these experiences, um, my father in particular said, is anybody reading this? Like, are you sharing this with anyone? 
Because I'm finding what you're saying actually really valuable and, and interesting. And so that oh, bit of encouragement um, allowed me to sort of pick and choose. And at times, the people who I worked with would be my featured topics. You know, it was like, how was my interaction with this person? And so there's, there's one um, blog in particular where I write about facilitating a large meeting with my boss. And it was a kind of a take the pen moment where the workshop had gone completely haywire. Um, we were in no way in a place to meet our objectives. We had a group of 30 senior leaders. They didn't understand what we were trying to do. And you could, we had such an energy between us that we both knew we were completely panicked. We, we have no idea where, how to work our way out of this. And, um, and I was facilitating at the time and he with much more experience and ability to command a room kind of took over. And so the blog is about my, my reflection on what's happening here and why am I not holding on to that pen? Um, why am I letting this happen? And he and I had such a great rapport. And so it was so fun to share with him. This was what was going on for me in that moment. We were able to laugh and really just talk about the experience, knowing that ultimately it, it we just wanted to help the team we were serving get to where they needed to go. And in the end, it wasn't about either one of us, but in that dynamic, how much growth took place. Um, yeah. So I would sort of just share, pick and choose, you know, who, who yeah. might be interested in, in a topic at hand. And then I think there was just this bold moment where I'm like, you know what, just like with LinkedIn, put it out there. And if it's of interest to someone, they'll find it. I don't need to convince them this is worth their time, but perhaps it's going to resonate with someone who's on a journey a lot like mine. And yeah. um, together we can kind of be a virtual community through this. Yeah, and actually I, I know that you both yourself and I agree with the whole adoption coaching side of things and the fact that we, we consider ourselves to be in this space where we're very much a collective thought you know we you know we we we're here to mediate and help and you know and coach others and and you know actually that's exactly what you're able to do in in your blogs you know in your blog posts that way so you know that's um it's really refreshing to hear um and yeah it's inspiring actually so good for you well thank so you we are... i love reading yours as well so <laughs> we're doing this together and sort of yeah. that coaching at scale in some ways yeah, absolutely. And, you know, just all, all about that very positive, positive, po positive messaging and support and everyone. So, so we're definitely, definitely aligned there. Um, so we, we, at the moment, as we all know, are in this, uh, in this very interesting new world that we're all experiencing. And, you know, obviously as change, as change advocates, we understand the, the fear curves and everything that, that people are going through and, the uh, resistance to change, um, and I must admit that the recent the recent topics in your blogs have been heavily focused on the current current pandemic we find ourselves in. Um, what have what have been your personal working experiences and challenges that you faced since the lockdown? You know, tell me tell me more about your personal journey, if you would. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, so. Citrix is an organization where uh, we really create technology that enables remote work. So um, it's not unusual for a large majority of the workforce to spend a day or two working from home. So initially, um, this felt like kind of a lift and shift. It was just a bunch of work from home days stacked on top of each other. Um, probably about week five, I realized there was nothing like 
a bunch of work from home days stacked on top of each other in this experience. Um, so that that um, moment of I think almost like a bottoming out in uh, the workforce of realizing, oh, what we used to do in order to make this work really well for all of us isn't quite working the same way. You know, I think a, a work from home or work remote, oftentimes we would hear that people would choose to do that in order to have these highly productive days. You know, it's your heads down day, you're not gonna be interrupted. And what we have started to hear is, yeah, that productivity thing is so real when we're remote, but it's really unsustainable at these levels for a long period of time. Um, so for myself, we had some transitions at home. Um, my my husband uh, is, is in a career where he's interfacing with a lot of people. He runs his own business. Um, and so we kind of made the decision like, hey, let's, let's back off that for a while. So that was a different dynamic and then certainly the financial impact of that. And then my son uh, is, you know, school from home. What does that mean? What does that look like? And in the meantime, having a role in human resources, um, my work had, had never been busier. So really figuring out how do we enable an 8,500 person workforce to uh, thrive during this time? Do they have what they need? What sorts of decisions are being made? Um, how do we go into this, this period of uncertainty? So um, I personally found that amplifying what I had known to be true about myself, which is I have to fill my cup in order to give to others during the day. And, and that after having my, my son had become earlier and earlier in the morning, well, that just got a little earlier. So things like exercise and enjoying a really good cup of coffee and doing some journaling and writing felt like that was my way to preserve um, some semblance of sanity and also a little bit of control in, in times of uncertainty, going back to the things where we feel like it is our, our sphere of influence and what is within our control becomes so important um, for many of us and certainly for me yeah absolutely and you speak about personal resilience a lot in, in your blog posts and I think that really resonated with myself um, and and of recent I felt I felt the need to voice my personal journey through um, through the COVID crisis um, around personal resilience because actually it I, I didn't quite realize just how important those things were, the cups of coffee in the morning or the, you know, the exercise or actually <laughs> I joke about it, but it was serious. You know, I had to, after about two or three weeks of lockdown, finally decide to actively turn my camera on so that I could get up in the morning and keep a routine. Um, you know, so tell, tell me more, like what, what kind of, what kind of personal resilience did you discover about yourself? Yeah. So I, I think one of the interesting pieces about all this is it's almost given light to um, where we had weaknesses in our foundation to start with. Um, mm. I almost see it as, you know, the, the kids' games. Um, I'm sure you have these in the UK where there's a special marker and you, you rub over the secret message that's on the paper, but only with that specific marker are you able to see what's underneath and the message that's there. And I feel like this has been my journey. You know, it's, it, the message has always been there, but COVID um, and even more recently in the United States, States, and I know it's becoming global, but conversations about race and injustice and privilege um, are highlighting what's been on the piece of paper all along, but now we're suddenly able to see it. Um, 
So I think for me, I think um, one of the big, big pieces is I spend a lot of time and energy trying to keep the balloon from hitting the ground. You know, just don't let it hit the ground. And realizing that over time there's been a lot of balloons and not all of those balloons are as important as others. Um, so having moments to step back and say, if I can only keep three out of 20 balloons from hitting the floor or <laughs> balls or pieces of glass or whatever it is, um, what are those three? And why are they most important? Whether it's about the relationships that I have and where I'm investing my time, um, about how I'm choosing to spend my time, especially with having my son at home um, and trying to balance work, making that mental shift of oftentimes work is the thing that um, seems most urgent, um, that's screaming for attention. Um, but yet the little, the littler voice, literally and figuratively, the littler <laughs> voice was actually the more important voice. And so what sort of changes did I need to make, not just in COVID times, but yeah. in my life to ensure that that foundation um, was building the house that I eventually want to live in? Um, because yeah. I do think all these little decisions where we are choosing to keep ourselves resilient, to your point of turning your webcam on, small gesture really important signal um yeah. and kind of thinking through where are those small gestures that have important signals in our life and actually lead to really big outcomes because we do them repeatedly and so often that we don't even notice them anymore yes yeah and and the webcam um just a really great example of that i do know that um some 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 colleagues that i've been working with um very very closely every day um it's taken them months, but they now put their webcam on. And I know that that was just actively every day. You know, I'm talking to a blank screen, I'm talking to a blank screen, but I just I just knew at some point that they recognized that need, that, you know, that personal growth in themselves to need to do that. And it was, and now to see their face and to see them confident enough to feel like they really want to engage with you as well. You can just, you know, that they've gone on that that personal journey. And it's, you know, it's it's been, it's been really warming to see them develop that way for me. Yeah. Um, and, and, I, and I must admit, I feel so much warmth talking to you right now, and, and, and I'm so I'm, I'm so moved by what you're saying because everything you, you're saying is just resonating with me. I just I can't believe, you know, I've 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 been on this planet way way too long to admit, but I don't think I've grown so much than I have in the last mm. couple of months. And then I look at my children, and I'm seeing these little boys who are having to completely upheave their entire life you know that they, they are they're doing everything from having to balance two households through to not seeing their friends anymore the way they used to and they're having to learn how to be resilient in the you know and um and um disciplined within you know within their own environments and you just look at everybody and, and i'm like wow i I have absolutely learned what what balloons are important for me, you know, because I think I was so caught up, especially, you know, living living the London life. I was so caught up before with that real fast paced and speed of everything that I was really missing the most important things. And now every day, you know, the kids finish school and we go out and we play frisbee. You know, mm. we're fantastic frisbee players and, and we do these things together. And, you know, and it's the simple things in life that I've always looked for personally. And my personal growth since this, uh, since lockdown, has been very much focused on those little things, the simple things in life, the walks, the coffee, the, you know, the the the, the routine and the just seeing the kids more. And, oh, it's it's. I, 
I just can I resonate so much with everything you're saying you know all of a sudden I feel like I have done the exact same thing this magic marker has displayed who I am what I'm about what's important you know and, it, and it's it's I feel such an emotional place about it right now it's been for something that I and again as change man, change managers coaches we know this you know the, you we both would have hit that curve uh, that fear curve of oh my goodness and you know I, I was first to admit that I'm so terrified of this and now all of a sudden I'm in this place of acceptance, but also self-development and, and, and growth, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's it, it's so it's so refreshing to hear just it's almost like listening to listening to myself, you know, in the way that you explain it. So so that's um, yeah, that's really encouraging. It's really lovely to hear that, Amy. That is beautiful. Um, and I I can so see the emotion in you and I feel that back. And I think I've been thinking a lot about what sticks, you know, when we even think about sustaining change, which I I truly believe is anyone in the, the change field, I feel like it's probably the most overlooked yet most critical part of conversations with clients and customers is, what are you willing to do to sustain this change? Um, is this check the box, get the project out the door? Yeah. What outcomes do you have over the long term that will tell you you've been successful? And <clears throat> on this personal journey that that you and I have gone through and others have gone through, that question keeps coming up for me is what yeah. will we do to sustain this yeah. change? And the beautiful thing is there's so much emotion wrapped in it, which I do feel is the magic pixie dust of change. Um, and what I also recognize is how important it is to reflect and to find these these moments of insight for ourselves because insight is what makes it makes it stick and when we can own that um so it's it's a beautiful place yeah. to go absolutely and it's definitely that you know the, the what the what's in it for me why do i want this to stick and why do i want this to change and and you know just the just the way I feel and the way I see my kids developing and growing and, and you know and, and us all be becoming better people from it that's why I wanted to stay that's why I wanted to stick and that's why I'm never going to go back to the person prior you know pre pre uh, uh, c19 times and you know it's it, it's it's been a real true um it, it, just a very clear picture of exactly what change is about what that fear curve about is about and how personal growth makes a massive difference but also how everyone is going through their own um their journeys through this but they're different you know everyone's different stories um and I, and actually brings me on to my next um my next topic with you because uh, i i I'm absolutely blown away by the amount of my, of my friends that have all started um, looking at uh, meditation and being aware that actually their minds right now are one of the most important things for them. And, you know, they're in these working environments, they live alone, that their workplace is all of a sudden in an isolated way. And 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 I and I'm talking about a whole spectrum of different people. You know, I've got friends that are quite introverted through to friends that are very extroverted, and every single one of them has had to find their own mindfulness. Um, you know, and 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 how they've done that has been very different. Um, and I know that you talk about a lot about work, like workplace mindfulness. Mm. Um, you know, tell me more. What would your advice be um, to to our listeners when embracing their own change journeys? What 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 would you give them from their personal? 
their personal growths. So this this idea of workplace mindfulness actually was born in a very small conference room with with me and, and five of my friends, um, and it was such a dichotomy of who we were as people, uh, bringing this very kind of intimate practice into our work lives, and actually going to a place where we were together in a conference room with our eyes closed, uh, sharing sort of this moment of going uh, very deep within ourselves and it got easier and easier as time went on to, to have that feel very normal and comfortable. Um, and the whole idea of bringing mindfulness into our workplace was born from a, a very good friend who had her start in the change management community. Um, Wendy Kwan is based in Vancouver, British Columbia, and uh, she has a wonderful story of her own journey to healing and how she discovered um, mindfulness meditation after a, a cancer diagnosis. Um, it's now her full-time job, and she is definitely out front talking about workplace mindfulness and especially mindfulness when it comes to, to leading change. But for, for me, what I had started to think about as a change leader um, was that executing a great communication plan was no longer sufficient to really realizing change. It was check the box, but at the end of it, who's who's at the end of it? And it's an individual that either has capacity or doesn't have capacity to absorb whatever it is that's coming at them. And no one um, gets to prioritize whether a change is going to happen in the workplace or not. Most of us aren't uh, privileged enough to do that. Those, those changes just get organized for us. But what we do have the ability to do is to create capacity within ourselves to grow. And yeah. that capacity often comes from quieting our minds. When it's really busy in there, there's not a lot of room for anything else. Um, for me, mindfulness has been a settling of those voices, of the busyness, a way to organize, a way to label emotions and let them kind of pass through. Um, and for me personally, mindfulness has given me an opportunity as a leader to learn and condition myself to respond rather than react, especially in moments of conflict or disagreement, which tend to be still the moments that are most uncomfortable for me. Um, yeah. And so moving to a place of, of cognition of those and, and choice um, is what I allow, that mindfulness allows us to do. Um, so it's been it's been such an incredible uh, gift during COVID times. Um, we were actually hosting mindfulness sessions uh, once a week uh, pre-COVID, and the response from our employee population was, "Can you please do these every day?" So we have a team of five or six, and we have a lunchtime session every day. Um, and we actually just held an event yesterday with our, our women's network group. And the question was asked, how many of you have started a mindfulness practice during COVID? And um, over 55% of the participants there say they had actually started during the pandemic, um, which does yeah. validate everything you're saying of yeah. seeing a rise and people looking for other tools um, to, to cope and to hear ourselves and to even, I love how you said, sort of almost like be our own best friend. Um, this the yeah. sense of isolation, we sort of rediscovered that, that we have our first selves um, to be a companion on the journey. Yeah, yeah, it's, um, that's, that's incredible stats. You know that that it 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 just absolutely demonstrates exactly that you know the, the 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 need that people have had just to you know just to recognize that they've they've had to find that that, that quieting of the voices and 
um, I mean, I, I, my, my meditation, I find it on a bicycle, for example, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm huge into my cycling. And, and actually, I was talking to another cycling friend of mine just at the weekend, and we were discussing the fact that for us, um, and we're both very busy people, for us, it was very much a meditation, uh, obviously in a safe way because we're on the roads. But you know, you have to you have to find that 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 release, that kind of I'm going to switch off from everything because, especially at the moment with all of the worry and everything that's going on in the world, it's just it just adds so much pressure in you know in into your mind. And um, yeah, I think I think it's fantastic that you've been able to support your colleagues through you know and, and give them that 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 skill set so they can also learn self meditation. And you mentioned that. Um, you know when you first started it was quite it felt like quite a strange place to be with your work colleagues and doing such an intimate thing together that's something that I've also found that I actually really like about the lockdown because I you know I, I've I my clients are across uh, across the globe and you know look I'm talking to you all the way in Florida and you know we're in each other's personal space and you know and and, and often you know if my kids were here you'd they'd probably come and say hi and you know and all of a sudden you learn so much about your colleagues that you've only seen one dimension of and then all of a sudden you it, it helps you realize and again as 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 change coaches we know that everyone has a different story and they have a different place that they are in their own in their own lives and all of a sudden it just gives you an insight to that you know that that person is a mom or a dad or a sister or a brother or you know they are they are being somebody else whilst they're also trying to find that 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 resilience within within this new way of working and you know going through that own curve um so again it's just been it's been so eye-opening it really mm-hmm. has and almost to take that it's almost like this finding the humanness of work again um has mm-hmm. been such an exhilarating piece of this experience and seeing each other as human first um, yeah. versus colleague first has has definitely opened um, a lot of possibilities, I think, for what work might look like and feel like in the future, um, because that is a big curiosity of mine. When yeah. there's a vaccine and, and we can all return to the office and we can go back, um, yeah. what what will remain and and will that humanness first uh, stick with yeah. us in the workplace? Yeah. And I hope it does. Yes, yeah, and I, and I also think um, I also think I'm going to touch on the, the you know the the, the women in the workforce side of this, um, and um, you know I think that obviously there's this this big movement to encourage more women to come into work workplaces, but also um, have a ha- have an increase in desire to be in more senior roles, you know, working in in more of the stereotypically male dominant spaces like technology, which is obviously where where I focus my career on. I think that as women, one of one of our one of our strengths is that personal side. It is that ability to to provide emotions and you know and and be able to blend people together. And I think that that actually this supports that that need it you know it helps us recognize and I and I know a lot of male colleagues that I I think that in a working environment previously I would have had that conversation with them around it would have been very very professional and work driven they're also in a a space of of needing an emotional outlet and then as a female that's coming into that you know it gives them that ability to 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 feel more comfortable you know talking talking to a female in their working place so it just strengthens the need for um more diversity and equality you know within a workplace uh, in in a working environment as well because 
we we all need that emotion and i think it's been it's been highlighted through this that that our mental our mental well-being is also important and uh, you know and that that ability again i'm probably probably touching on uh, you know quite quite a sensitive topic but you oh, know it's i think it's, it's so spot on and so relevant and um you know, I, I one of the best pieces of leadership advice I, I think I ever got was go where the energy is. Mm-hmm. And right now, there's such energy around everything you just said. Um, and, you know, my hope is, is that we all sort of take a pause to recognize that and see that. And as uh, many pairs of eyes, many experiences are all feeling it, doing it, it um, that we really take some time to think about what do we want the future to hold? Like, how do we capture what's happening now and Mm. leverage this as a springboard? Um, You know, I think one of the interesting pieces about change or projects, things that were in motion pre-COVID, it's almost like this gives us a chance to reset. And I am such a fan of the organizations who are kind of taking a pause and saying, you know, all that stuff we came up with last year in terms of our strategy and our roadmap, um, that's kind of a time to really think about, is it still relevant? And what does the second half of this year really look like? Um, And hopefully leaning into the relevancy conversation, um, our employees need us to, and they're receptive. And at a point in time where we don't have bandwidth for everything and I think focus is really needed because we are also using some emotional energy and productivity energy to just grow all this growth takes work and energy and so our organizations that can help us all kind of um, keep the focus on the big important things are going to be um, very much appreciated by the workforce I believe yeah I, I, I completely agree so, Amy, Chief of Staff of such a big com- uh, a company like Citrix, you're currently homeschooling your son, obviously doing so much social media and blog writing and things like that. You know, wow, what what an in- inspirational person you genuinely are. What's next for you? Where, where do you go from here? You know, where, where, where are you going to focus career wise? Mm, such a good question. I so wish I knew the answer. This has been the, the continuous question in my life. Um, people who've known me a long time would laugh. Uh, I'm always trying to figure it out. I think at my soul, I am a seeker um, and, and really trying to understand where the biggest impact is. Um, I think what I've learned this year is paying attention to my intuition and paying attention to the things that really uh, make me feel like I I come alive. Um, I recently finished the book, Dare to Lead by Brene Brown. And as she wraps that book, she talks about thinking about what gives our lives joy and meaning and Mm -hmm. to use those two things as a filter for deciding what comes next. Um, I... I had a, a beautiful moment of growth after reading that um, because I said I said no to a beautiful opportunity to to get engaged in a project at work that does light me up. But when I put it against, will this give me uh, more joy and meaning in my life based on what those things are? The answer was no. Um, and so starting to honor that in myself when I think about what's next, um, it's it's about honoring the nose 
so I can create more of the yeses and those yeses will be all about joy and meaning. Um, and it, I, I don't underestimate how hard that's going to be for me because I love saying yes. It's exciting <laughs> and it's fun and it, it usually leads to more opportunity. Um, so very curious how this is going to go. I feel like an infant on the journey, um, but I feel like it's really the right thing as a next step. Yeah, but equally a very exciting next step, hopefully. Hopefully, yes. <laughs> I am. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm laughing because I'm definitely a yes girl myself. I, I struggle to say no, <laughs> and it's like you know I, I have that um, FOMO if I say no. <laughs> I don't want to miss out. I don't want to miss out. <laughs> Completely, it's so true. And if there was a way to create more time in the day or hours or yes, um, but. <laughs> living a full life kind of wrapping back to the journey that I think you and I have both been on um redefining what living a full life means um also means saying no to things that normally would have been a yes so it'll be fun for absolutely. us both absolutely so thank you ever so much for joining us today it was genuinely a real pleasure to speak to you and I just feel so warm and humbled from speaking you know and, and really and really engaging with you um and I'm I'm really looking forward to your next your next advice and your next posts that you know that I'm gonna look forward to to reading alongside your parents probably <laughs> well I think it's you in touch Yes, thank you so much. I I love seeing what you're doing with change. I think your B methodology is such a beautiful way to simplify something that can feel very daunting to people and to organizations. So it's been such a pleasure to connect with you and I have truly enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that too. So you have been listening to Amy Hayworth and to learn more about what she's thinking, why not follow her on her LinkedIn, Twitter, at Change for Good or her blog, which is nobodymakesitalone.com. Thank you, Amy, and I wish you a very, very happy day.